Plastic handcuffs troll. <laughs> What's your go to? karaoke song if you're trying to impress everybody <laughs> yeah so like my choice would be sweet child of mine first you know get my vocal cords ready uh guns and roses is a good good one to start at i remember you doing a crowded house hey now or what is that what it's called <laughs> hey now hey, hey now. now oh shit episode four plastic handcuffs we're going to travel to the wonderful city of Cincinnati, Ohio, and talk to restaurant owner slash chef Hideki Harada. What's up, my man? What up, though? Let's hear about the start of your cooking career. Started off shaking wings at BW3s, a young lad, around like 16. I was 16 years old. Actually, I was maybe like before 16, I was... Because I was riding my moped to work, so I, I don't think I had my driver's license then. <laughs> Shaking wings. You know your goals in life are like matching when your manager is like, hey, you know what? Like you should be a manager. And I was like, man, I'm about to go in the sophomore year, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to shake wings for the rest of my life. Just take these blazing wings and shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like that's where that all started. And I fell in love with restaurants there because it's just like the camaraderie and this nomenclature of just like wild shit. So I I fell in love with it. And you were probably kind of like a prodigy in a sense, especially at B-dubs, right? Oh. You were like, oh, I'm pretty good at this shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like really into shaking wings like i was except for those motherfuckers that would like not pre-order like super bowl season like super bowl motherfuckers would just order like 300 wings like right off the bat without calling that shit in early i'm just like you motherfucker you're not gonna get so they they would order like you know 50 sweet barbecue 25 spicy garlic 50 and i'm just like no, no, you're also going to get 50 blazing. So I would just sneak 50 blazing wings into their order just because, because I was an asshole. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're dropping 300 wings, how many fryers are you we running? Have, I think we have four fryers. So that's eight baskets at the time. How many wings per basket is that? <laughs> it's like... Uh, <laughs> It's like 50 wings a basket, right? Damn. Yeah, I think, no. Because you got to shake them, too. Like, if you do it all at once, it turns into a big old block of... One giant-ass <laughs> wing, bitch. Yeah, man. It's like you're creating a monster. So, like, we would, it would probably be like 25 in each fryer. Damn, so if you got a couple of those, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Super Bowl, it's like we're just frying nonstop. And any orders that would be called in, we'd make it proper for sure. And then these assholes that are like, I need these in an hour. I'm like, fuck you. No, that's not going to happen. I'll do it. And then my <laughs> manager also asked me, hey, you know, you have upper management written all over you if you like. No, I don't <laughs> want that. 
Yo, I love I love the way you sneak those blazing wings in there. You you need to move up, dog. <laughs> dog, that's that's management shit right there. You move for, move on from B dubs, and then where do you go after that? I went to uh, Quiznos because that's where the true sandwich artists were at. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, Subway. Fuck yeah. you. You see a Subway motherfucker, you pull your knife out. <laughs> what is that, Anchorman? It's like, uh, you know, you're, oh, you're Subway? No. Uh, <laughs> it's like Quiznos, Jersey Mike's, and Penn Station all lined up together. But no, I went, I went to Quiznos for a little while, just making some sandwiches, but that was short-lived. I was also a server at Melting Pot for a grip. For those that don't know, Melting Pot's like a fondue chain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I was making bank. I was a senior in high school. Valentine's Day, like you could give the worst service and you still walk out of there with $400 or something. I was like, dude, for a high school kid, you, that was a lot of weed. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> At least an ounce. Right? Yeah. An I mean, yeah. So uh, th- those are like my golden days, I guess, for living on my parents' roof and just making some money. And I mean, I, but I, I've always worked my whole life. So you knew that front of house or servers made tons more money, but you still decided to go back to cooking the cooking, yeah. the back of the house. Well, kind of looked at it this way: like the back of the house. I, I learned this early because I would work with a bunch of old servers. I'm like, man, you're, you guys are old. Time's ticking and you're, you're great at what you do, but like, where do you lead up to as far as like in this restaurant world? Are you, you going to be a GM or are you just going to be a professional server? And I, I have complete respect for professional servers, but you know, it's, it's like you're digging your own grave when you're working at a restaurant for so long. So, you wanted to actually have like a skill set you could lean on. Yeah. I mean, I think cooking, I think is just kind of like the same as any manual labor is like electricians or plumbers or anything like that. Like you, you build that skill and you get good at it. You know, people count on you and produce. So yeah, I think cooking was kind of like my way of like, instead of getting a college education, just, just start cooking. So you get to a point you're like, fuck fondue. Um, <laughs> Oh man, yeah, man, you, you know that's table side service. So you're making fondue, cheese fondue for the guests, and you're like making your beer cheese or the Emmental or like Swiss cheese dip. I was making the best ones, <laughs> but you make that table side, so it's kind of like you're still cooking as a server there, kinda. So for me, I never wanted to do front of house, even though I knew the money was good because. I'm uncomfortable going from table to table. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to see people like that. And so you did not have that problem. I did not have that problem. I enjoyed the company of guests, but I also would turn around and just call them assholes if they left me like 10% tip. You had a little confidence behind you. Yeah. Yeah. In the short sense. Yeah. I mean, I've had some groups are just like i did everything like they asked for and then and then they turn around and treat you like shit so i think it's good for people that work front or back of the house to experience the front of the house because i think they'll gain a lot of respect for the front of the house 
But likewise, I think the front of the house should also experience some shit in the back of the house because every fuck up the front of the house does, the back of the house has to cover it up and make it good. You know, it's a two-way, two-way road. So it's for sure. So if you have a back of the house or kitchen experience and you're a server, you definitely watch little mistakes more. You I think know that so. just fucks shit up like big time back there. And I think that's like the the key for the expo who's like sees every plate that goes out, but they're also part of the front of the house. I think that's probably one of the most important positions just because they know what the food looks like. They know how it should look like. And they also have to be like that, <laughs> the the bitch when it's like the server comes up like, this isn't right. And then, you know, the expo is like, motherfucker, that was right. That went out right. I looked at it. And I finished it and I sent it out. And, you know, it's like, so if you have both experiences, man, that's, that's like, that's crucial. That person's probably going to be the amazing asset for any restaurant, honestly. After um, Melting Pot, do you start getting into Japanese cuisine? Nah, man. So I just love sushi, like eating it. So I graduated high school. I went to UC for a little bit. During that time, I don't think I worked really. I just, I was just kind of, I don't remember much about it. <laughs> but then, <laughs> the, the college years. But, you know, after I did like six years, six months, I mean, six months of UC, and then I transferred over to Columbus State. And I think that's where I was in Columbus and I needed a part time job. So I went to Restaurant Hama in Easton Mall, if you remember that. I do. I walked in. Wanted to be a server because I spoke Japanese somewhat fluently. And I was like, dude, I could make some bank being a server. So going back to like Melty I knew how much servers made. So I was like, I'll do some part-time serving. And uh, the chef there, Masa, was like, we're not hiring servers, but we're hiring sushi chefs. It's like, I don't know anything about sushi. I love eating it, but you're asking, it's like asking uh, a welder to be a fucking roofer. It's like, no, I don't have anything. I don't, I don't know any, anything about it, but I took the job for whatever reason it was. And that, that's when I started sushi right there. Did they bring you up like old school where they like had you on rice and like rolling, just making rolls and shit? Yeah, man, I was a bitch. Like Masa would throw sake boxes at me. Looking at it now, I know that's kind of like an old traditional way of training people, but throwing shit at you, (laughs) throwing shit at you, or just like yelling at you and, you know, telling you suck and just like really like working in and figuring out your breaking point, I guess. And then, I mean, I took it, I took it, (laughs) but, but I, uh, there's always like that nice guy that kind of takes you under his wing. And it's like, hey man, Hideki, it's it's all right, man. Don't don't fret. You know, it's it's okay. Like, it's everything's gonna be cool. You're you're doing a good job. But then you go back in and it's like, God damn, I'm this shit sucks. And you, I'm making like minimum wage, below minimum wage. And he would just throw me like a twenty here and there to just keep me legal. And then I would make rolls like in the corner behind everything so nobody would be able to see me working it's just kind of like 
<laughs> you're in like the bathroom stall. <laughs> yeah. Like, stall three, men's room. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, just like, uh, make me three California rolls. You know, wash those dishes. <laughs> make sure you don't. But uh, yeah, that, that was, that's where I started. From there, it was like a, it was like high speed lane, bro. I was like, I did that for maybe a year. I think I, I celebrated my 21st birthday working for them, or maybe not. I was like 19 there, and then I moved to work at Haiku in Sulan. So you're you're going to college at the same time right now, right? Yeah, I dropped out though soon after. So while you're going to college, what are you thinking you're going to be career-wise? Oh, man. So, so my first major at UC was psychology. And then that shit was hard. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so at, at uh, Columbus State, when I transferred, I didn't have enough credits to transfer to Ohio State. So I uh, transferred to Columbus State with a sociology major and then that shit was still hard so <laughs> a little background for uh me and hideki were the only two asians that were <laughs> awful at school in the history, <laughs> in the history of the world so. yeah 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 school was not was not in the books for me so like uh, then i tried so then at, i got my enough credits from sociology to transfer to ohio state I finally got in that motherfucker. I was like, oh shit, I'm at the Ohio State University. I'm like, God damn, I'm fucking academia. And then and I changed my major to hospitality because sociology was so hard. So I was like, hospitality, this shit's fine. This is what I do. So uh, I'm in Ohio State with hospitality degree. And then I started working part-time at that sushi bar. That's that's kind of where I realized it was like, I'm getting firsthand experience and getting paid at a restaurant, actually studying hospitality. What, why do I need to actually pay for school? So I dropped out. It's funny that you say you were all hyped up getting into Ohio State. Um, <laughs> so I, I got into Ohio State too. I don't know how the fuck I got in. I think I lied about, I lied about some shit. Like I think I made up a couple clubs I was president of or some shit. But I was like, oh my god, they accepted me, and then. I wrote my parents a note that said, wait 10 years and I'll take care of everything. <laughs> and they like, they framed it and shit. And I was like, oh God. Yeah, I never took care of them. <laughs> yeah, it was like 10 years. Well, it's, been, it's been 20 years. What's going on? <laughs> so you go to um, Haiku and Sulan. I worked for those owners too. That's where what, we went. What position were you over there? When I first started at Haiku, I was like third man sushi. So I was like at the very end, just kind of like I had my I had my own case though. So I was making sushi and in front of people, and I would be able to congregate and entertain and kind of do my thing. But we're not going to name names. But the owners pay you under the table. So like essentially, I was making. Dope, good money because it was untaxed. I was just like making decent flow. And then they transferred me to Sulan as second man. 
So I was just, you know, I was like, guess you would call like a sushi, sushi chef. And so like, this is all happening in like a year. It was just like moving up like ranks and it was crazy fast. And my money was like good and dropped out of college and I was like making decent money. And then the head sushi chef, I don't know if you remember, man, but like he got hammered and left everything on or turned everything off and all the refrigerations off. And then like, just got, just got hammered. Do you remember that? I'm you not talking about the tall, the tall old Japanese dude? Nah, he's like tall Korean dude. I think his always, name is like... Always s- the Korean motherfucker fucking <laughs> shit up. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, they don't fuck shit up, but you just can't get them drunk. <laughs> yeah, we, a lot of the Korean chefs I knew, at least in Ohio, man, they just... Um, not only did they drink forever, but they got so angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This dude, like, you could, man. See, you could see the red in his eyes when he's, like, drunk. But then he would just, like, you would lose him because he's, he's like, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, dude, not whatever, man. Like, because we have, like, tickets hanging. And I'm like, we didn't make this ticket. He's like, no, it's fine. It's it's done. I'm like, it's not done, man. We, we got, these people are waiting for this food. So I'm, like, covering. He would skip tickets, and I would, like, basically backtrack to make these orders up so like he gets really blacked out drunk one day and just like leaves uh the turns the sushi case off so all the fish is rotting overnight i'm I'm like first cut so i I left and i just come back i'm opening though the next day i just come back and it's a full lukewarm case of fish lukewarm refrigerator i'm like this guy turned off the refrigerator too like he was like out to just sabotage his company for some reason so i was just like dude that's when i my last rank up i was like head sushi chef at sulan and i don't know you work with me at sulan for a little bit but i thought that place was beautiful Uh, they had like the waterfalls i was like oh man this type place but uh, I yeah, I can't. Cool. I vaguely, I vaguely remember that experience. Um, I I don't know why I remember haiku more than Sulan. Yeah. Maybe yeah. haiku even, was more exciting. Yeah, I even thought haiku was kind of ahead of its time too. It's kind of their concept and idea was awesome, but the servers loved their cocaine too much and just kind of like partied. The party scene was kind of big, but ah, uh, now it's coming back to me. <laughs> Now it's coming back. I now I remember that bald server. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. Back. It's all coming uh, back to me now. You're like cocaine. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so nine, 1999, August 14th, uh, 7 15 p.m. I think I recall. You end up uh, leaving Sulan because of the fucked up shit, or I left. Well, so during that time, uh, my my uh, mom had a stroke, so like I dipped, and I, I, I it worked out because Embers was opening up, and the owner there, his son and I, we went to high school together, we're grade school too, so it was like I know him really well, and then he's like, you know, we're looking for a sushi chef. I was like, well, shit, my mom's sick, so I was like, let's. I was like, maybe this is a calling. So I 
did an interview at Embers back in Cincinnati, and then I started their sushi program. And I'm, I'm like 22 or 23 at the time. I mean, it was, I mean, this shit is like the lot, you know, from 19 to 23, it was like crazy, crazy time. So, yeah. So for those that don't know, Embers was a really nice steakhouse with really good sushi. So this was your first menu creation opportunity? Yeah, I'd say so. It was like my first, well, from like ground up opening. So, you know, I was part of making the, you know, deciding how everything's going to be plated, how the system's going to work. And this is like my first like grand opening of a restaurant. I'm head sushi chef and I'm pick and choosing what kind of rolls are going to be on the menu and what we're going to do. So it was, it was a crazy experience, but yeah, that was my first menu development slash just like everything management. I helped out a little bit from Columbus and helped with sushi at Embers for like a summer. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was I so was, much fun. I was so awful at sushi. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember coming in one day and I, you know, I was very like oblivious um, in my younger days. And I remember Hideki pulling me to the side and being like, yo, you look, you just look like, (laughs) you just look like you're dead and you're tired and you don't care. And he's like, what's up? Like, what's up? And I was like, what, man? (laughs) And I was like, this is how I look. (laughs) Yeah, I was... Completely, completely oblivious to like, you know, you got to look like you're motivated and like energetic and awake and shit. And I just like, I didn't get it at the time. Um, <laughs> and dude, I'm, I'm sure my sushi was fucking awful. <laughs> dude. So, so, sorry about that. No, it's fine. No, you no, still did it. And what was funny though was like, dude, I, I I love you so much, man. It was like, there's like when you came to Embers on the weekends to help me out, like you would drive down from Columbus and like you crash him up at a house with uh, myself and Josh. And like, uh, you, you would have like a candy store. <laughs> you would run like a candy store in the kitchen. I'm like, dude, what do you do? He's like, dude, I'm selling candy. <laughs> That, that's, the Korean, that's the Korean in me, man. We're always selling shit. <laughs> always selling shit. I was just like, what do you, what do you, it's like, yeah. No, but uh, we started like frying Snickers bars and shit. I'm like, dude, my, I'm just like, dude, that, that was a good time though, man. Uh, shout out to Josh Shane, the, my old roommate. So, you know what the best part about that time was, was the, the creation of the underground R&B group, the Shy Guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dude, I still think it doesn't have to be us, but I feel like that is a real boy band. I mean, you would think. For sure. Would, so Shy Guys, just five awkward cats that make love songs. Um, we had a... Because we, we never got laid. <laughs> we even had the album cover worked out where we're we're kind of like blocking our faces on the 
on the cover. And then uh, our hit single was called Six Digit Quitter about a young man that wanted to call a girl but could never dial that seventh number to talk to her. <laughs> we never, never laid it down in the studio, but uh, if one of us blows up, you know, first thing we're doing is going to the studio. Oh, for sure. No, I, I, I mean, I mean, during quarantine right now, I should probably just work up some lyrics for it. But yeah, that's that was a group that was Ryan Powers, that was like Thomas Baker and John or who else? That was it, right? It was yeah, yeah. I think uh, Tom Thomas was not so. <laughs> yeah, not so not, yeah, he wasn't shy at all. Um, so, I was yeah. little little shy. You you were a Japanese name. It sounded like izakaya or some shit you remember what it what yours was i don't know it, it was like not izakaya but it was sounded like that whatever <laughs> um, there's there's too shy who's too shy oh, you were too shy. i was a little shy you're a little I was, shy I was the shortest one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i bet power powers was uh too shy maybe too shy maybe <laughs> So Embers goes pretty well, and then you you uh, st- stay working with that owner. Yeah, I stay work for the owner for a little while. I think this is kind of where we kind of lost a little connection. I think uh, after that, I uh, worked at uh, Aoi in Newport on the levee. I was a head sushi chef there, and then Boca. I, I was like, fuck sushi. I'm done with it. So you worked at two places before you opened Kaze. Yeah, well, before Kaze, the lineup is Embers, Aoi, Boca, Italian, and then I moved to Japan. And then mm. I came back and I opened Kaze. So when you go to Japan on your sabbatical, we'll say, are you training sushi? Uh, yeah, well, that's kind of where I went to culinary school, like to show my parents, like, I got a fucking paper. I'm a chef now. You don't have to like ridicule me because I don't have a piece of paper that says I'm a chef. I got a piece of paper that tells you I'm a chef. So I got that piece of paper, uh, went to culinary school in Japan. And then, um, yeah. And then I started working at a sushi bar. I worked at like a fine dining Japanese place where I met my wife. So cooking in Japan is, Hold it, it's no joke, man. I, I was, <laughs> man, like I felt like a minority in my in in similar skin. Who it's like? Who is this white boy? Except he's fucking Japanese. Eight looking, <laughs> just like everything that I did was just like, what's wrong with you? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh my god, what am I doing wrong? And it's not like I was raised wrong or anything, but they just have like high standards for mannerisms and kind of like seniority and all this shit. So it was just like, it took a lot for me to kind of just, I ground myself down and just kind of took it every day. It was just like, all right, this is what I need to fix about myself. I'll fix it. All right, the next day I'm like, this is what I need to do. I'll do this. It's every day I was just kind of trying to trying to fit in because I knew because I knew that staying there would be a great experience for me. So I did my best, but I, I did. I made some friends, and you know they would definitely wa- walk me through 
like we'd go out to drink or whatever. He's like, you know. What uh, specific foods were you or specific techniques or types of food were you working on in Japan? Uh, so Kaiseki is like the Japanese version of prefix and seasonal dining. So I learned a lot about seasonality of in Japan. So it's like spring, summer, fall, winter, and everything like the decor from the plating to what you're serving would change seasonally. And that, I mean, that was really amazing to learn about, but the problem is it's like learning psychology when you're just like trying to just learn hospitality because there's a lot of memorization on ingredients, colors, plates, trees, like nature, everything. Like you have to know everything about that season to present it that year. So, I mean, you do it for years, you like kind of like remember it all, you know, it's only four seasons. So it's like, Oh, boom. It's like springtime. It's cherry blossom. So, you know, we got to showcase like the cherry blossom tree and then we showcase like pink plates and, you know, just go like, we just take it to that level. But uh, it was a little too much for me. Plus Kaiseki and Japanese fine dining is like my sushi chef that I trained under there explained it best, but the traditional Japanese and Kaiseki, the roots are real deep, you know, so deep, but they're also very narrow. So like there really isn't much you can do outside of the, of the box or the, the tree that you're going off of. But so that's why I was like, all right. And then I, I worked at the sushi bar The the guy that said this to me, he's like, but sushi on the other hand, you just got to know the fish. You got to know the season of the fish. But the roots are wide. You can do whatever the fuck you want on sushi. I mean, you can pair it, and if it tastes good, just put it up. And I was like, that's more my style. That's that's all I want to do is just make shit taste good, put it up, and then follow seasonal fish. So, you know, just keep yourself sustainable. So it was just like, it's kind of night and day. You're like, uh, let me... <laughs> Let me breathe, motherfuckers. Let me breathe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but... Uh, Let me fly. <laughs> Let, this bird, Let this birdie fly. <laughs> yeah, man. That, but that was, that was an awesome experience. I also did eight months in Amsterdam. Oh. Yeah. That's, that cooking? Was, yeah, I was working at a hotel, Okura. <laughs> I got this job through the school. They're like, all right, Hideki, you don't speak Japanese that well. Well, you do but you can't write it or read it. So here are your options. I was like, all right. And one of the options is like, they're like, you can't write it. You can't read it. You can't understand it, but you look like it. (laughs) Yeah. You look like it. You know where you could go is the Walt Disney cruise ship. (laughs) Or smile and nod, baby. Smile and nod. Or Amsterdam. I was like, fuck man. I mean, Amsterdam is cool. I'll go Amsterdam. So I signed up for that. I had my doubts like walking in. It was like walking into like little Tokyo. It was just everybody's so hard headed. It's like, you guys need to like relax. Like I was like, dude, this is Europe and this is fucking Amsterdam. And they're all like 
uptight and I was like, oh, hell no, what did I sign up for? So, but I took the job because it paid well and I'm in Amsterdam. So, you know, I, I, th I was still kind of into marijuana, but I was kind of in the out. I was, I was just, I, well, especially like living in Amsterdam and like, dude, it's everywhere. I can smoke. I'd rather just not smoke and just kind of do whatever, but. Um, you can buy mushrooms and ecstasy and shit too, right? Yeah. <laughs> mushrooms. Ecstasy, uh, I don't remember crossing paths with ecstasy much. So it was basically weed and shrooms? Yeah, weed and mushrooms. Okay. But like you didn't get That's not as cool off. as I thought. No. I always wanted to see the red light district. No, the red light district's hilarious. It's <laughs> uh, not to get too much into it, but it's it, it's not as big as it used to be. I guess like when I was there, they were saying that it's cut cut by a quarter. I was like, damn, this is just. I, I thought it was like still huge, but they're like, yeah, it used to be bigger. I'm like, oh shit, but they were separated, and they were all fifty euros straight straight across the board. So. Uh, but they were separated, so there was like big women, old women, and like you, you go in a circle. You just be like, "Oh, let's go check out the old ladies." And by by old, they're like in their seventies, like old. Damn. Yeah, and then they're still charging fifty euros. But you know, to each his own. I mean, fetish is a fetish, so you just kind of go with whatever. But they're all cross board fifty, so. I would always just ride my bicycle and just kind of like cruise around. <laughs> it's just, and you could, you, yeah, because it was, a, it, it was a tourist hot spot. So you would see sure. these couple, yeah, couples walking around. And I, I'd just be like the guy that's like every, every other day, just like cruising through, just like, you know, we're not used to that kind of shit. So, you no, know, absolutely. I always, I always want to see like shit I've never seen before. I don't care. It could be fucked up. It could be like awesome. It could be whatever. I, but I want to see it if I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten my bike stolen like three times. My first bike, I spent like a hundred euros on. It was like a nice bike. Got stolen like a week later. I was like, damn. There and you know, the couple Japanese people that I was staying or in the dorms are like, I told you, you can't get a nice bike in Amsterdam. I'm like, shit. You guys aren't lying. So I went with the like a cheaper bike, but it's still nice. And I got that shit stolen. So I was just riding around in this like bike that weighed easy, like a hundred pounds. Just, <laughs> it's just like this shit that you don't want to steal. It was like, it was a caucus. Hello, like, hello kitty stickers everywhere. <laughs> oh, that shit would no. be gone in a minute. <laughs> bike poles in your ass. No yeah. Seat. No seat. Like, no seat. <laughs> Pull, take that um, shit off. The uh, the Amsterdam stay was cut short. My dad got cancer and then passed away. So like I came back to Japan and then I went back to Amsterdam like after my dad passed. I was like not in the right head. I was like fucked up. So like I got fucking hammered drunk one night like after work. I got beautiful thing. Two two good things about Amsterdam. Heineken is cheaper than water and you can get really nice French wines 
for like Trader Joe tra- prices, you know, it's like cheap. So this one night I got so fucking hammered off of red wine. I had like probably two bottles of red within, I don't know, four hours. I was just, I was basically ch- trying to just fucking either kill myself or just do something. I just wanted to like, I hated my job. So I got online before I got too hammered. I got online to see how much a flight would cost to go back home to Japan. Okay. So, so I was like, and the prices were ridiculous. It was like cheap. It was like 600 euros or something. I was like, dude, I got that. I got that in my bank right now. I can go, I can hit and enter and I could get that ticket. But I just you're left like, it uh, I could, you're like, I could fuck 10 old women or which one's going to be everlasting. So, <laughs> so like I left it on the screen and this is the last kind of like the last thing I remember is doing that because I got so drunk after that. I bought the ticket, got a cab. I think. I, I mean, I left my room with all the shit that I bought there, all this stuff. Like, I had a bunch of stuff, and I just left it all there. And I got the flight, flew, <laughs> hammered. I don't know how I did it, but I was uh, – the, the next thing I realized, I was in a massage chair in Paris at, like, 5 in the morning or something, getting ready for another flight to Japan. So that was that. That was a wrap. That sounds that awesome, my, though. That was, my, that was my trip to Amsterdam. So you go to Japan. Uh, you're not working in Japan this time, right? Because family shit? No, uh, that's that's where I started working at the sushi bar. Then you meet your wife. Uh, I met my wife before Amsterdam, so I had I had a lot on, on the line in Japan. I don't know why I took the job in Amsterdam, but I met my wife before I left. And then I came back to... to uh, get back with her. So then you bring your Japanese wife to Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, she was down because she was like the traveling, she, like she's been everywhere in Japan. And like when I was like, well, you know, I got this opportunity to open up this restaurant. Let's do it. And she's like, uh, okay. And it was kind of like, just like that, there's like no hesitation, but it, it took a lot because I had to work out the visa thing and the passports. But um, do you get a lawyer? Did you get an immigration lawyer? I did. I did. I, how much did that end up costing? I did the same shit. Uh, sixteen hundred bucks. That's it. <laughs> Damn, you you got a deal. I think ours was like five five G's. It might have been more. I don't know. Maybe. Um, more. You're the only other person I know with a Japanese wife. Um, <laughs> and, we, and the funny thing is we both work together. Yeah, 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 yeah. One thing um, a Japanese wife will show you is how big of a piece of shit you are. <laughs> and not, not in a way that, like, it's a very subtle way, too. And you just, you feel like a piece of shit. You know, it's like. It's like they're so, such good people. And they, they like, for instance, my wife, she never cheats. She'll never fuck anyone over. Yeah. And then you got me over here, like, give me 20 bucks and I'll slash your tires. You know? <laughs> you know? Fuck. Yeah. She always reminds me of, like, I need to 
I need to step up at least as like as a person, you know. Oh, yeah. no, I, I I try to I try, you know, I try every day, but I I'll disappoint every week. <laughs> it's like a haiku or some shit. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like write, make that, your, write that down, baby. Write that down. You you know, it's like you, you know, like make your bed. Like yeah, sorry, babe, I'll make my bed. And you make your bed, and that continues for like a week, and then you're like not making your bed again. <laughs> it's just like, damn, I'm a piece of shit. But my mine's more like, yo, the the register person forgot to ring in the turkey. Like, let's slide through. You know, <laughs> he's like, yo, yo, just pay the motherfucker, you criminal. Oh. I'm like, you right, you right, you right. My wife's my wife's trying to fall for that shit. Though I'm like, you go check this out. Amazon just sent me like a toolbox and it was supposed to be a carpet. So like I just said, Amazon, you didn't send me my carpet. I just kept the toolbox. She's like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, nice. Nice. So she's, she's getting used to the American way. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell, tell me about if your shit's anything like mine. We're together like 24 seven. Oh like, yeah. If there was another day, it'd be 24-8 or 26-8. How do you deal with the 24-7, like, being with somebody? All the time? Yeah. I guess I guess I just gotten used to it. I mean, I don't know when I, I don't know when to jerk off anymore. So it's like... Oh, I, dude. I, I'm like a jerk-off ninja now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. If there, if this was like a sport, I'd be like LeBron or some like ranked. I'd be ranked in the country like top five. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm good. I'm good. Well, they, then, then like we have a kid, right? So she's eight years old. So I'm, yeah, I'm a ninja on that that part. But I don't know, man. I, I mean, it's it, before quarantine and this COVID thing, like. I would always just be like, hey, you go, like, you can go home. And I would have a drink at the bar and then go home. So I always had like that moment of just like, ah, you know, sit, yep. relax, and kind of that old Asian man shit, like, don't talk to me, don't look at me. <laughs> yeah. Leave me yeah. the fuck alone. <laughs> you go back to Cincinnati and then you open Kaze. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about Kaze a little bit. So Kaze was just like this concept uh, with my partner, John. We, we toured over the Rhine, which is like the big business district that was like under revitalization during the time. So like we looked around these places and uh, we opened this Japanese uh, restaurant, bar, club. I mean, it was just massive. I mean we were looking at spaces that were like a thousand square feet. I was like, this shit's tight. Like, this is awesome. And then he would be like, let's look at this space. It was like 4,000 square feet. I'm like, this is fucking huge. He's like, well, you know, you go, do you want to cook for the rest of your life or do you want to make money? I was like, shit. Well, yeah, I want to make money. But that was kind of like where I fell into it. But it was a Japanese restaurant with um, sushi uh, we had yakitori. It was kind of like an izakaya concept um, that got 
skewed into being a lot of other things and uh yeah fuck that place (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude um one of my main things when it comes to opening concepts is i hate like big places oh yeah it's like it's hard enough to control small places so i'm like thinking man how just staff alone just thinking about like theft oh yeah like i i have to know what 40 motherfuckers are doing every yeah. day managing then, like all that dude, fuck that dude. yeah okay so that starts off kind of good and then you're just it, like yeah. Fuck this. yeah well i i was there f- over five years and then um my life i was i was living breathing that you know not hanging out with my family at all just uh working there probably 75 80 hours a week after five years so like my life was clearly not getting easier and it was it was just like it was i was just digging a hole i mean so this college now we go into kiki my new concept this is just a restaurant where a couple people were like hey you should come out check out this town I'm like all right and checked it out i was like there's nothing here like, yeah, there's going to be some things here. I'm like, uh, I'm not going to jump into anything until I see something. So uh, this is uh, this is when I was still all right at Kaze. And then I, uh, a couple years later, I was like, fuck it. And then I went back to talk to these guys about this restaurant. And this is your first, you're running everything. Yeah, this is my first, like, yeah, in debt a lot of money restaurant no partners uh except for my older sister who's basically like a guarantor for the loan but um but yeah this is me you uh you open kiki it's going pretty good and then all of a sudden you get ass fucked by covid <laughs> yeah yeah so, so covid covid like if you were a if this was like prison you would be like the fresh yeah. fish coming into coming into jail in the shower with your sweet virgin. I'm, I'm Asian, more like Asian. I'm more like the probably like the bar of soap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, come, in comes Bubba, six foot five, three hundred pound inmate with an Asian fetish. Yeah, just pounded, oh, just pounded. And you know this shit. <laughs> this shit was like, I saw it. I was like reading about it. It was like in, I think I was like in Jan- late January and then February, uh, the whole kind of like this Asian, like, oh, you know, this, there's a disease in Asia. And like, so people weren't going out to eat at a- Japanese or Asian. I forgot about that part. Yeah. So like, this is like the, this is like going up to coronavirus. So Asian restaurants were already fucked. It was like fucked from like February. Right. I mean, it was just like, oh, you know, Chinese got a virus. So that includes everybody. Right. So it's like, oh, okay, great. You're like, I'm Japanese, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, man. I want to like highlight that we're a Japanese restaurant. (laughs) Uh, Got like your Japanese flag (laughs) bandana on and shit. (laughs) Yeah. Rising sun. You know, it's like, so no, that shit was fucked up though. I saw my sales were good. And we were doing really good. We opened in August and we were 
on point to do really good business. And we were like getting all these accolades and notoriety. And then January, like New Year's hit or like, oh, it was a great New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. We, we did like a, like a prefix menu, Valentine's, we did another prefix menu. And then like right after that, it was just like, it hit. It was just like, what happened? Like we're, servers weren't making as much money like we're like well maybe it's just because you know everybody spends so much money on valentine's day but i was like nah this is weird like this shouldn't be like this and then beginning of march uh it really broke out like covid was coming in and then i told like my staff i have one kitchen guy that's like huge conspiracy nerd you know he's like dude he was telling me back in like I think like December about this disease. I was like, dude, shut up, man. You're crazy. He's like, dude, just watch it. I was like, all right. But sure enough, dude, he was like fucking right on the money and calling it. And I was like, dude, you're right about everything that you said, like in the past three months, I just wish you could take everything back because this is like coming to life. So yeah, I think it was March 15th, the day that we had to shut the restaurant down. And I was like, dude, this fast. So you close down, everyone goes on unemployment. And then how many months pass when before you can start doing carry out? Oh it- dude. No, we <laughs> the thing is they, they didn't they just said close indoor they just said close restaurants. Oh you guys I, never completely oh, I never closed. closed. I just okay. I just did carry out. We closed that Sunday. It was Saturday they made an announcement. I was like, well, shit, everyone's going to be freaking out on Sunday, so let's just shut it down. We closed for that weekend, and then we opened up just as carryout on Wednesday. That's when, yeah, like everybody was laid off except myself, my wife, and uh, my GM. We were just like the three people that stayed to do carryout. So there's a, a point where you're able to start bringing people back, and they're making more with unemployment. Yo, absolutely. You're calling people and they're like, nah, dog. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dog. I'm... Hey, it's Kinky's calling. Don't pick it up. Don't pick it up. Don't pick it up. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, they're, I mean, not against anybody. It's just like, you know, it's, it's a pandemic. So the country's giving the $600 plus your unemployment rate. I mean, Bro, you're making upwards nine hundred dollars a week. Yeah, we would do that, right? I, I mean, I, I am. I would get the fuck off. I'll, yeah, I would. I would yeah, I'm doing it right now. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so it is about to end soon, but um, yeah, the 25th. Did you hire back anybody at this point? Yeah, uh, I got uh, one cook or two cooks and two servers. I mean, those are, I put, I, I basically just sent an email. It's like, anybody want to voluntarily get off unemployment to come back to work? And then luckily there are these two individuals that are like, I can't get unemployment because I think one was in a band. So he didn't claim anything from that and can't get any money off of it. So I was like, all right, he's on. And then the other one was kind of technically working somewhere and was getting unemployment sometimes and not sometimes. And so she came back to work for me too. So 
it kind of worked out. I got two people. It's better than zero, right? But so before that, doing everything with your wife and the GM, how awful was that? It was terrible, man. I mean, <laughs> like prepping and breaking down dish tank, open to close daily. You know, it's just like that kind of beat us up pretty good. You know, it was just like nobody to rely on prep. So my wife and just wife and I would just kind of knock each thing out every day to, to make it. And then, and then we closed for a week uh, in June to kind of take a break. But I, I think that's when having the Japanese wife comes clutch. Oh, because dude. Like, I'm telling you, these ladies, they hang in there. Workhorse. Or I mean <laughs> I mean I I honestly I, I don't I don't know what I would do without my wife. Kiki would not be Kiki without my wife. Not now I can have her listen to this podcast. <laughs> what's her what, <laughs> what's her name? What's her name again? Yuki. Yuko. Yuko. You Yuko. Yuko? Yeah, yeah Yuko. Shout out Yuko. <laughs> yeah. Shout, <laughs> shout, out, shout out Misako. Misako, Yuko. <laughs> yeah, Yuko You're said what's best. up, by the way. She's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I got this podcast today. She's like, Misako? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw that. And it's like, yeah. Oh, like, that's crazy. They remember that shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Japanese women, man. It's fucking. How is it now that you've done it for a while? Like, is it? Are sales getting better since like the restrictions kind of dropped off a little bit? No, I think people are still scared to come out where dining, you know, our seating is like six feet, whatever, uh, separation. So I only have five tables in the dining room. I used to have, uh, 10 Mm. or, or eight in the dining room. And then I closed my bar off because it's too tight one. And then, one motherfucker just infected sits at the bar and coughs and then it gets all over the ice. So I was like, dude, it's not, it's not worth it. So I literally have five tables right now that I serve and I started that Japanese market in the private room. Nice. How long can you keep getting ass fucked before you'd have to shut down? I'm good. I'm good for the year. I mean, nice. the the loan the the PPP loan which is a fucking bullshit loan but uh, <laughs> did you get you know what did you get it um I tried and they denied me because they're like so our business we opened for one day and closed <laughs> and, and so they're like how much did you make and I'm like zero <laughs> like how much how much did you spend like zero how much did you and then I'm like, okay, so can I get 10,000 10, bucks or how's this work out? And so, the, yeah, I got denied for it. But yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't have gotten it anyway. I mean, are you, are you paying rent or anything right now? Yeah, we're paying rent. We threw everything that we had in a storage unit. So we're paying a storage unit and just like the same same bills, the regular bills that we had. But nothing. Uh, I do have to pay like a business insurance thing that's like sixty bucks. But for a business, not much because we always our plan was to hop in on other people's property, like OPP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so, so yeah, we don't we didn't have to worry about like rent or anything. Oh um, shit. Okay. Well, that- but it definitely killed our momentum because you know it's not easy to get everything going and like and I love your content, all the- by the way. Thanks. Yeah, we we didn't. Um, we were trying to like tweak it in the first few weeks, but yeah, and we just completely shut it down. Kind of shut down. So the the PPP loan. That guidelines on it is it's for payroll, right? And so yeah. I got that shit in like April. I was like, all right, cool. So you got eight weeks to spend it all. I'm like, eight weeks. How much how much it? was it? Did they give you? Uh they gave me like thirty six thousand dollars or something Not like bad. that. And I was <laughs> but you gotta use the the original guideline was seventy five percent towards payroll, twenty five percent fixed costs. I was like, cool. All right. Uh, so immediately I, that's when I hired back these people so I could like pay people. And so I would pay my servers, um, that I brought back $11 an hour, uh, for 20 hours a week, but they would be paid for 40 hours. So they would get paid to just stay home for 20 hours in a week. Right. Ooh. So yeah, but they're making cush is like, it's it's good like it's good it's good so they're technically making like twenty dollars an hour just to work 20 hours a week so i was following these guidelines and then they changed the guidelines literally my my due date for my ppp loan was june 14th i think they changed the guidelines i think on the 13th that you don't have to spend all that money right there you could you could spread it out spread within it out. nice thank god 20, 24 weeks but i already spent all that money man i was like Fuck oh yeah shit. because that was the day before i was like dude my money's gone it's spent it's gone but then i i guess i i don't remember but i signed up for the eidl loan so like i got this email around that time when the ppp loan was running out and you got your EIDL loan. I'm like, what the fuck is hey. that? I was like, oh shit, I signed up for that too. And so they gave me $97,000. So I'm like, all right. Damn. So <laughs> I'm, I'm like so poor. I'm just like, <laughs> holy shit, you're rich, man. <laughs> no, man, but that's another loan though. But the loan terms are tight. I mean, I don't have to pay towards that loan for a year. And it's like 3% interest. And it's a 30-year, or is it 30-year? I think it's a 30-year loan. My payments are like going to be like $200 a month or something. I'm like, fuck yeah. That's the one I would probably ask, I would suggest you to try, man. Just be like, let me get that EIDL. Uh, yeah, I signed up for that. I'm waiting to. So I accidentally signed up for it twice. One of them got denied. And then the second one, I think I filled it out wrong. And then they just asked for some new information. And so I'm I'm waiting for that. But like I said, all my numbers were like zero. So I don't know how much they can give me, but I I filled it out. Yeah, fake that shit, man. My sisters always do everything like correctly. So they always make me paranoid when when I try to like cheat the system. So... (laughs) <laughs> let's go to being a dad <laughs> yeah i haven't seen hideki for a while and then all of a sudden japanese wife <laughs> daughter yeah new restaurant you've probably t- 
turned into a whole new person during this time, huh? Uh, yeah, but you know, I still, I still got it inside me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still gangster, baby. <laughs> just, just nine to five though. You catch me after yeah. ten, and I'm tired. <laughs> uh, Damn, everything you say is like is like R and B lyrics. <laughs> I'm telling you, I should work on the. I know here. you really should keep a recorder on you or something, notebook. <laughs> but no, dad life is good, man. I mean, it's funny just kind of uh, watching my daughter grow. She takes a lot of her comedic side from me, but she definitely has her mom's side with like or like some quirks about her that I'm just like, oh, you're just like your mom, but just her, her kind of what it quirks about her is it's all me. So it's fun. I mean, I guess that's the other thing too, like being around my wife 24 hours a day, I can kind of just hang out with my daughter on the times that I'm just like, you go, uh, no, I think I've had enough time with you for the day. I'll just hang out with Ellie and watch some cartoons. So nice. I saw you working on the TikTok dances. Dude, dude, that shit. Um, you know, those TikTok dances make me feel bad. Because I, I know it's not about me. <laughs> but, like, everyone dances so good. What's the deal with that? Like, I wanted to start trying, but I'm like, man, I can't, I can't do that. That's for sure. <laughs> but TikToks, it, there's a lot of... There's like a lot of ways to like make yourself look good on TikTok, supposedly. I don't know how to do it, but Ellie is like, she's not on TikTok because I feel like it's like predatory. I don't know. TikTok. It's got to be, dude. It's got to be. It shit wears me out. So like, it's cool that she watches it on YouTube, but I won't allow her to have her own account. That's a good topic. I watch TikTok shit sometimes and how sexual those dances are at such a young age. Like I'm, yeah. I have to assume, assume as a dad, it's got to be tough because you want them to, you want them to like be who they are and express themselves. But then it's like, do you really want your girl, your daughter, like twerking as hard as she can, like on the <laughs> camera and like, you know, just humping air, humping some shit. Like, you know, these are kids, you know, but I don't want to be like the old guy that's like doesn't understand the youth. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely is like I watch it and I'm like, damn, that's that's fucking sexual. That's too sexual. Yeah. So like my 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 nine year old or my eight year old, she'll be nine in August, but she'll do like these dances and yeah, like air humping. I just find that shit funny. I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) because like, hey. It's just pure, it's, she's, it's pure. Like, she's not, like, doing it in intention of it being sexual. She's just doing it because it's, like, I think she probably finds it funny. She's, like, eh, eh, you know, it's, like, I'm yeah, like, I'm, like, whatever. Like, I don't, until the day that, like, she's got some booty shorts on and, like, these provocative clothing on and, like, is on a webcam or just being out there is uh, i'm she you know that's well you you like you do you oh yeah <laughs> i mean until then up? 
until then, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna destroy her party. I mean, it's, she's having fun with it, and I'm having fun just watching it. So I'm just like, this is this is grade A entertainment right here. I mean, to do like she's like, there's one track. It's like, uh 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 uh. uh. This is my no-no square or something like that, dude. It's just fucking <laughs> hilarious, man. She's like, but she knows the no-no, the no-no spot. But like the way she's like, if if this was like a video podcast, I could do it for you. But it's just fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get that. I'll get the video <laughs> up. So we can, I gotta see you do that. She's in um, what grade is that? Eight when you're eight? What is that? She, Fourth, she'll be in, grade. Yeah, she'll be in. Fourth grade, shit. Yeah, she's gonna be in fourth grade. Are um, you gonna be the dad with a shotgun? Like, who the fuck is this dude? Or oh, chick? the boys? Yeah, dude. or the girl? And the girl? Uh, or the girl? Or, I mean, or the or the trans? Or the trans? <laughs> Everything? Ah, uh, no, nah, I'll, I'll I'll walk him in. I mean, I don't. I, plus, I don't have guns. My wife won't let me have a gun, so I'll just probably I'll I'll be cutting something in the kitchen. Probably something like. I don't know, some like a whole chicken or something with like a big knife, like <laughs> just slamming the leg off. Like, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> yeah. What's up, yeah? What's up, youngin? <laughs> <laughs> you kids having a good time? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah, man. No, I, I'm not gonna be that creepy dad or like scary dad. I mean, it, it, I'll be cool. I'll be cool. As long, but I have a feeling my daughter is going to hate me in a couple years anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> there it is. There's the answer. Yeah. Uh, so if you could have any job, you don't have to worry about money. Um, yeah, you anything. ask this question, don't you? you do you ask yep. everybody this question? I do. I want. I want to. I want the audience to know. Like, is this your true passion? Is this like what you would want to do? Like, what what would you want to do if like you didn't have to think about societal boundaries and you were just like free to choose whatever. If I were to free to choose whatever I wanted to do and ah oh, man, a guaranteed successful in balling. If that's your thing. I think I would like to deal with more people. Like, I, I don't know what that entails, but I, I don't know. I mean, but so I, I guess I'm happy where I am right now. I mean, I, I get to deal with some people and I don't know, man. Yeah, I guess if you can't, if you can't really think of anything, maybe that doesn't mean what's going on is is good, you know? Yeah. Under its circumstances, like shit sucks right now. And it's like one of those things, like you're having the shittiest fucking day and you're like, man, I wish the fucking world would just end tomorrow. And like, it's that, I, I feel like we're living in that situation right now. It's just like almost the point where that day that everything is just like falling apart, but I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool right now. <laughs> um, you know, what was funny to me was you made a hand roll video. And you're, tra- <laughs> you're trying to show people how to do a hand roll and you titled it something like this video sucks. <laughs> <laughs> You just look so tired and like busted bro, because like, and I was just like imagining what you're going through understaffed. Like you got to yeah. switch, switch up concepts. It looks like you have to simplify stuff now because I don't know if you have to like worry about food costs or waste or yeah. anything like that. 
all the making things uh, more to go to to go friendly. You know, your your restaurant's like a a real high quality quality progressive place and it must be a little shitty to have to like dumb it down for the pandemic. Yeah, it, it it's shitty, but then again, like it's kind of fun that it's like whatever you want to do right now is it's good. Like it's time to be creative. So like the way to look at it right now is it's a big reset button. So if you had like this restaurant and the atmosphere was too progressive and you had like an unhealthy lifestyle and you had a bunch of servers just doing a bunch of blow and like taking Molly before service. And then, you know, like afterwards, it's like this party and rager every night, but then you're like, dude, I'm getting too old for this. And then Corona hit and you're like, Oh shit. Like I can turn into a fucking bed and breakfast right now. <laughs> Pretty awesome. You know, what you I mean? know like, me and my friend talk about that too. Like how, how the slate is clean. It's you know? slate, yeah. You can do whatever the fuck you want right now. Because people are a very understanding. I mean, right now, like I could say, "Hey, Kiki is uh, open from noon to eight, like we are right now." And then next week, I'll be like, uh, "Kiki just decided to change their hours. We're gonna do brunch hours from eleven to three. Like we could do that shit. It, it really wouldn't matter what you do." Like, oh, yeah, before people would trip. Yeah. Like, the time. Inconsistencies <laughs> and times were like Yelp central, right? Like everybody was sure. lit. But now it's like cute. Everybody loves transparency. Everybody loves the fact that like adaptation is, you know, in the eye of the beholder. So it's like, yeah, because uh, Ellie's, you know, wants to hang out with the family at night. Kiki's just a brunch spot from 11 to 3. Like, I could do that. <laughs> then people would be like, oh, Mary, that's so sweet. And, <laughs> and it'd be cool. Or, or it could be the other way. I'd be like, Kiki's a fucking late night spot. We're up from midnight to 4 a.m. because you know what? We don't give a fuck. And then <laughs> that shit would be hot. I think yep. it's like, it's like Kiki's doesn't sell food anymore. We sell knockoff purses from, like, <laughs> from, from four to seven. Yeah, so come get a come get a Gucci bag and a fucking whatever. Yeah, movie theaters are closed, so come get your bootlegs. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I mean it's it's it is a clean slate. I, I encourage all the business owners to think creatively during this time, though. I mean. If you're just trying to do your own old thing and, you know, like hoping shit's going to return to normal, uh, I would, I would highly suggest, you know, fucking opening up, I don't know, fucking something. That's so you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna just go out like a little punk ass bitch. (laughs) Nah. And when I, when I say bitch, it's not derogatory towards females. It's, it's, it's fine to say bitch, I think. I mean, <laughs> we don't like who knows these days. Um, I know. Well, that's the thing, too. You, you know, that, this is unfiltered. You know, like 
Just like that sake. It's unfiltered sake. It is right. a little... That's that's and that's a good point. Like we're not on here because we're fucking perfect. No, you know that's no. for damn sure. I mean, if it was if it was perfect, it'd be almost creepy. Like, who likes that? For sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are there uh, is, are there any chefs that you look up to or that you hate? I remember you hating hating Rachel Ray with a fucking passion. <laughs> oh um, man, yeah, that. Yeah, she's she sucked. But you know what? I, I, I take I have one lesson from her is uh she always was like adamant about keeping a mixing bowl as a trash can. I use that to this day. But um nice. that's the only thing I have heard that I like everything else that she sucks. She makes dog food. <laughs> she sucks. I feel um, sometimes I have to I get that dog food because um, uh the the good dog food store closes and I have to go to Rite Aid and I I get Rachel Ray dog food. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Dominic Crenn, I, I I love her shit. She's San Francisco. She does a lot of seafood. I, I I really respect her. I follow her on Instagram, and I know she's like a cancer patient, and just like I, I feel like she's doing a lot of good. Uh, Sean Brock, I've I like a lot too because he does a lot of like that heirloom home, like, you know, looking at each, corn, you know, piece of corn kernel and just like, you know, trying to trace it back to like the original. Damn, that's extra. I mean, this year is like, I'm just like, dude, I don't know. Uh, He's like corn kernel number 36. Check that one out. <laughs> no, that's got some, that's got a story to tell. I think I, I might have talked shit about David Chang. But I, I I like David Chang. What I don't like is people saying that he's like the next Anthony Bourdain because of like how he's blowing up on TV. Anthony Bourdain was a writer first, so like David Chang can't. I don't think he can write shit. I mean, I, well, those, <laughs> yeah, they those two are just different to me. They they have like the best. They have like really close kind of lifestyles right i mean david chang's like moving around and like mm, tasting all this shit true. whereas anthony was for many years with like no reservations and all his um cnn shows but i don't like that comparison i like him he's hit by the coronavirus pretty bad too i think he closed like three of his restaurants so I remember talking to somebody and I was like, this is way back in the day. And I was like <laughs> trying to compare myself to David Chang. And I was like, you know, we're not that different. <laughs> and I, and my, whoever, I think I was talking to my older sister and she's like, the fuck you guys aren't different. Like, they, like, do you even know David Chang's story? Like this motherfucker was like sleeping in restaurants and shit. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, ah. Oh. Maybe, maybe, we are. maybe we're not the same. I know. Maybe we're not the same. <laughs> now, what's that dude from Cali, though? Uh, the Korean guy from Cali. that The Ko- Kogi dude? Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Roy Choi. Roy Choi. I like Roy Choi, man. He's gangster. Ray- Roy Choi's gangster as fuck. I didn't, all I knew was the Korean tacos, and I was, I was never, like, super impressed with them, but the tacos, but I was, like, I listened to an interview, and I was like, damn, this motherfucker's a G. Yeah, he's like, gangster, man. I like him. 
his swag. He's just like kind of like got that, you know, not pretentious, kind of just does whatever the fuck he wants. A, he has like, I think he has that Korean barbecue joint in Las Vegas called Best Friends. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. hey, that's dope. It's dope. I, I don't know. I like him. Anything you want people to, like a message you want to give out? Uh, for me, it'd just be like, don't give up. Uh, you know, the fucked up world right now. It's election year. Everything looks fucked up from the outside, but I just think people just need to stay positive. I mean, turn off your cell phones and your smartphones every once in a while. Just look around you and enjoy life. That's all I can say. Yeah, like in Batman, they say what the the night is darkest before the dawn or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 like that. <laughs> I probably said it. I probably said it wrong, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, let, can we get, can we get a plug for your restaurant? Anybody in that air in the Cincinnati, Ohio area that oh, wants to check it yeah, out? Yeah, you gotta come check it out. It's Kiki, my nickname from kindergarten through high school. It's located at fifty nine thirty two Hamilton Avenue in Cincinnati, Ohio. What kind of cuisine specifically? Uh, it's it's a Japanese izakaya. So whatever the fuck is under the sun, we just kind of do to make it good, and we kind of just put it on small plates to be able to share with your friends. So, and if you want to pick up a imitation Gucci bag with your meal, come <laughs> come from four to seven on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> Made with made from origami. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Zeki Harada. We hope COVID stops fucking that ass, or at least puts a little lube on it for you, so you can enjoy (laughs) it. Thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Ooh, baby. All right, man. Well, it's good to see you. Take it easy, my man. All right, brother. I'll see you.